We're all very excited here because we had rain yesterday. Oh, and it's been a long drought. Long, long time. And wow. there's more rain in the forecast for next week. So everybody's sort of starting to, to breathe again. You know, it's, it's really interesting. It's not just that the land needed the rain, although certainly it did. It was the farmers really suffered this year. But, you know, what I realized is that we humans need it. I actually was thirsting for rain the last couple of months. You know? um, and when it when it arrived, I mean, if it hadn't have been the middle of the, of the night when it first came, I think I would have gone out and stood in it nude. Wow, because it just, <laughs> you, you wanted this. Oh. You know, we've had a similar thing where... September and October were so dry and the way that we could tell is we have a little hydrangea that's not doing very well in the back but every day it just drooped it just looked so so sad it was like our little canary it was like oh okay we have to water the garden because everything is so dry yeah yeah, it was a battle this year for sure. And, you know, I I felt somewhat guilty because I've made this decorative garden except except for some herbs um, because why would I grow a garden when the farmer's growing one 50 feet from me? <laughs> but nonetheless, to be using water for decoration, even though I know that's being a little bit harsh because it is more than decoration. There's certainly a form of uh, meditation that goes on in this garden. And the amount of pleasure that it gives people when they come in the gate is not for nothing. But still, it's not the same as the the farmer, you know, chewing his his husk of wheat and finding that there's nothing inside it. Mm. Yeah. And so I know your neighbors are farmers. How are they doing this year? I find it very interesting here. I think that the the connection of of centuries of uh, of connection to the land gives them. I don't want to say they're not blasé about it because they're suffering. Then their earnings will be way down this year. Um, but they also understand that this is nature, even if it's partly man made. Now it's still nature, and they've never had control over it. Um, and this isn't the first year of drought that they've had with high temperatures. They had it, oh, I think, maybe 12 years ago, there was a year like that. And so when when we ask them, full of concern for them, you know, how are you doing? What do you think? They, they kind of shrug their shoulders. And the, the word that they say is vediamo, which is we'll see. We'll see what next year brings. Vediamo. And um, I like that they have that deeper understanding um, that you really cannot control nature. And if that's the business that you try to, that you go into, because it is a business for them, then it will have lots of ups and downs that are really beyond your control. And that they don't even, because they know that they can't control this, they don't even fret or try it's just this is we'll see this is what it is I mean you can it's not that 
you don't see the concern on them because they have mouths to feed. And for instance, there wasn't enough grain for the sheep this year. You know, the sheep that, that are out in the pasture, that there was no, no grain because nothing was growing because it was scorching hot and no rain. And so shepherds had to buy food for their sheep. Yeah, it was, it was really serious here. Wow. Really serious. I mean, they're saying that it's going to be a good year for wine in terms of taste because of the sun. But the, the production is at half level that it normally is. And the same with, with oil, because in the spring, we had a very early, very hot spring. And all the, the blossoms on the fruit trees and the olive trees came out early. And then there was a frost mm. and it killed them all. So unless you're, we have three olive trees here that, that are somewhat protected and they are loaded with the most gorgeous olives. Um, but the ones in the back, maybe six on each tree. Wow. Yeah. So even within like little microclimates, there are places yeah. where the trees have just enough protection to yeah. be able to bear fruit. Yeah. What will you do with all those olives? We are having um, Giovanni, the son of our friend, um, come on Monday, and with because he has the nets for under the trees, and with him we will rake. You rake the trees basically with a little hand rake, because the the olives are ready. They're really ready to fall, and they'll fall into the net. And from there, we'll put them in wicker baskets that we'll leave outside for them to uh, dry for, I'm not sure of the exact directions Luana is teaching me, but for about a week. And then when we come back from Paris, um, they will be buried in crocs in salt um, and turned over every couple of days. And that will go on for a couple of weeks. And then they'll be rinsed off and they'll be put in last year's oil with, depending what you want, you could put some orange rind, some pepperoncino, some garlic, whatever you want, or just normale. What kind of rakes do you use? Well, I, of course, prefer the little hand wooden rakes, but uh, you know, the, the Tuscans have no shame if plastic is all they've got. It's, it's really like, almost looks like a child's rake, you know, <laughs> and they, they prop the ladder, the wooden ladders up uh, into the trees and they go up and they start raking from the top first and then they come down and rake the lower branches and you just see this cascade of delicious olives falling into the net it's 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 so remarkable because it's so simple do you know it's such a simple process and particularly when you're making the olives to eat it's really simple because you're you're drying them either outside or by the fire and then you're putting them in crocs and you're turning there's no there's no factory stuff involved you know so it's, it's quite special What's also interesting, too, as you describe it, is thinking that it's not like you can pluck one off the tree and eat it that way. It requires real attention to be able to make them edible. Yeah. And don't you wonder who it was that first discovered that? I I do. You know, thousands of years ago, somebody plucked an olive off the tree and tried it. And it was like, oh, my God, what the hell is this? (laughs) But maybe if I dried it and then yeah. buried it and then turned it every day. 
And how many people died, you know, <laughs> tasting food for the first time? Yeah. That... Oh, look at him. Okay, we won't do it that way anymore. Yeah, right. But it is it is so interesting, you know, first as you were be- as you talked about your neighbors who have this real sense of the fact that they're so much out of their control in terms of how do they farm the land. But then this, which is so human-mediated, you know, it's not an easy, simple, straightforward thing. No. And And it's, again, it's what I love so much about living here is because the culture is so connected to the land, you have all these seasonal things. You know, is you're not going to Whole Foods and scooping out some olives and putting them in a container. There's a wonderful bread that they make here only in October. It's called Pan Colsante or Pani Dei Santi, which is basically health bread. And it's it's a wonderful, it's between a bread and a, and a dry cake, and it is loaded with um, raisins and walnuts because it's the season, right? The grapes and the walnuts. And, you know, you just, oh, when that comes into the shop, you're like, oh, so fantastic, you know? And then it's gone in a month. That's it. And then the next thing will be in, in December for a month, there'll be panettone, which is that very eggy, almost like a hala with raisins in it. Um and, and so these seasonal treats are um, a way of, of, of marking time that we mostly have lost sight of in the Western world. So Maggie, what's ahead for you in these next few weeks? Mm. You're going away. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm in a, it turns out that I've been ill for quite some time. And you saw me in New York, remember? Yes. And um, in my usual uh, way of handling that kind of terror, I just was in denial for a couple of years. Um, so now I'm I'm well. Thank um, and apart from being sort of almost overwhelmed with gratitude every day to be well, to not be in pain, to have energy, to not be anxious, um, is is actually allowing me to be in the day in a way that I haven't been, except maybe when I've been on vacation, do you know? Yes. Where I, yes, I, I do have some plans some days, and if I feel like doing them, I do them. But I'm really trying to just go, literally go with the flow each day. So what I'm finding is that when, you, when one doesn't put pressure on something and I think we put pressure on things because we feel that if we don't then nothing's going to happen what I'm finding out is that things evolve in a much rounder way for example I started writing a new novel a few months ago and I was at it the way I always am every day at the desk writing away great you know it's going great Um, and then I got to a point and I thought Oh, this is getting a bit boring. <laughs> and, and I thought, oh, well, if it's boring for me, then it's about to be get, get boring for the reader, assuming that there will be one. So I put it down. Now, normally, I would have bullied my way through that. And I would have gone to the desk and I would have forced something to happen. And uh, I said to Joel, you know, I'm, I'm uh, not 
going to be writing on the novel for a while. I don't know. It could be two weeks. It could be six months. I don't know. And I don't care. It doesn't matter. And that is unthinkable to me, that I could be in that state of mind. Wow. That life that life is filled with so many pleasures and enjoyments and possibilities that, okay, so I'm not writing the novel right now, but I could go paint or I could go garden or I could just sit and do nothing or I could read or I could do whatever I want. And I and then I started thinking about that. I thought, oh, Maggie, this is very interesting because I've never had this happen to me when I'm writing a body of work, whether it's a novel or a play or whatever. And and as I started letting go, I started to see where the book is failing already. Mm-hmm. And I also understood that I actually don't know where this book is going or what it's really about. And I thought, oh, that's very interesting. So I'll just let that go. And... Um, and then a couple of days later, I, oh, right, I've got to change the form. It's the, the story is intact. Story is always there. But the form needs to be shaken up. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have to wait for that then to find out what, what, how am I going to do that? And then Joel and I were talking about something one evening and I just, I saw a chapter in the book, clear as day has nothing to do with changing the form but I wrote the chapter because I thought well either I will be able to use it or I won't but it's here now so this is a very long-winded answer I realized to your question but apart from yes I'm, I'm going to Paris next week although I'll tell you if I woke up on Tuesday morning and didn't feel like going I won't go um Yes, I have a plan to go to Berlin in December because Joel's uh, retrospective is opening there. Um, But I'm really more interested in what each day has to offer. Um, And I feel so fortunate that I've had the kind of life that's um, allowed me to uh, express many modes of creativity so that when one thing is maybe not going quite right it's not like I'm escaping to something anymore it's just that I'm letting that rest and oh I can go enjoy I think I'll draw or paint or and and so suddenly and I think this is partly because I was so ill for so long and now I'm not I'm realizing that there's actually very little in life that's crucially important you know I mean yes if you want to live you've got to feed yourself you know you should wash yourself if you want to be social <laughs> you know um but all these shoulds that I've always surrounded myself with and oh well if I do this then I can do that and if I do this then this will work better no I don't care anymore I hear in what you're saying an echo of what your farmer neighbors say which is vediamo exactly Vediamo. You'll see. And that there is not just the, oh, we'll see, but it's, it's also, we'll see. Exactly. Yes, it's not resigned. It's full of possibility. Yes. Maggie, I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much. 
Ciao, ciao, amore. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> Bye. Ciao.